Turn to John chapter number 19. John chapter number 19. Maybe 20. Nope, nope, 19. 19. We're going to start there. We're going to start there. We're going to, man, we got a lot to cover tonight. A lot to cover. Uh, I was hoping we would get out of the grave, but we're not. So uh, we'll, we'll be able to do that next week. And all God's people say it. All right, let's look in John chapter number 19 and verse number 20, or 38, 38. When you get there, say amen. amen. And after this, Joseph of Arimathea, being a disciple of Jesus, but secretly for fear of the Jews, besought Pilate that he might take away the body of Jesus. And Pilate gave him leave, and he came therefore and took the body of Jesus. And there came also Nicodemus, which at the first came to Jesus by night, and brought a mixture of myrrh and aloes, about a hundred pound weight, then took they the body of Jesus and wound it in the linen clothes and with the spices as the manner of the Jews is to bury. Now in the place where he was crucified there was a garden and in the garden a new sepulcher wherein was never man yet laid. There laid they Jesus therefore because of the Jews preparation day for the sepulcher was nigh at hand. Nigh at hand. All right. We know uh, Jesus has been falsely tried. <clears throat> Jesus has been uh, scourged. Jesus has been uh, beaten beyond belief. Uh, uh, he has been crucified. He, has, uh, he, he laid down his life. Say amen. amen. He laid down his life. And uh, his body, his physical body is now dead. <clears throat> his physical body is now dead. Uh, but he was very much alive. He was very much alive. And I'm glad to know after we get through studying tonight that even if our bodies do have to go by way of the grave and they physically die, we're still going to be very much alive. Amen. Now the question that we're going to try to answer, matter of fact, we're going to answer three questions, two or three questions. Uh, where was he? If his body was in the ground, where did he go? And... What was he doing when he got there? That's what we're going to try to cover tonight. So how many of y'all will pray for me tonight? How many of y'all will pray for me tonight? All right. How many on the shelf? Y'all going to pray? Amen. All right. All right. Well, let's pray and let's get started. Here's the way we're going to have to do this. I've got, I've got tons of verses I want to go to. It will be educational. I promise you. It's not going to be boring. I would have given you outlines, but it would it, it cost us a, a, a bazillion dollars to print off all them papers. Like I said before, if you want the, the notes tonight, just let my secretary know. We'll print them off for you, and you can have them so you don't have to. If you want to sit back and listen, you want to sit back and listen and not try to have to, have to uh, take you know, all the notes to distract you, because I'm going to give you a bunch. We're going to go over a bunch. Uh, I'll have them printed out for you. So if that's easier on you and it's easier for you to listen that way, that's fine too. But if you want to take notes, that's great too. I, I make a joke all the time. You know, y'all know Sunday. Uh, I, I got called on it Sunday. Uh, there was a post made when I said y'all were note-taking psychos. <clears throat> uh, they said, uh, 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 a gentleman said, man, any preacher that will call his people note-taking psychos, that's my kind of preacher. Amen. <laughs> and I said, I'm not for everybody, but I do have my crowd. Amen. <laughs> but if you, I, I, hey, I love 
I love the fact that you're taking notes. That means you want to learn. Amen? And so, so don't, if I'm ever cracking jokes about that, that's all that is. It's just jokes. I love that fact, and I hope you continue to take notes and, and be my note-taking psychos. Amen? All right, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much for the privilege and the honor it is to be here. Lord, it, it, I, I do not take this for granted, and I, I, I know, I know this is an honor, and this is a privilege, and Lord, I get to do this. I don't have to do this. I get to do this, and Lord, these people have come today. They've worked hard all day, and Lord, they're expecting a blessing. They're expecting to learn and to grow tonight, and, and Lord, I, I have. I've put in the time. I have studied, and, and, and uh, Lord, I, I've got a lot of material, and I've got a lot of information but, Lord, I desperately need your unction and your, your Holy Spirit to guide my mind and my heart. And, Lord, don't let me say anything I don't need to say. And, Lord, don't let me forget something I do need to say. And Lord, we'll thank you for it. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. You may be seated. Good crowd tonight. Good crowd tonight. This looks great. Uh, here's, let's, let's start with the first question. Let's start with the first question. We're going to ask the question... <clears throat> And then we're just going to get Bible for it. How many of y'all think that's a great idea? Well, we'll ask the question and then we'll see what does the Bible say about this question. So first question, first question is where was he? Where did Jesus go when he died? When he took his last breath, when he took his last breath on the cross, where did he go? There, there are scriptures that, that tell us and teach us where he went. So let's go to a few of them tonight. Matthew chapter 12, Matthew chapter 12, verse number 40. <clears throat> It says, for as Jonas was three days and three nights in the whale's belly, so shall the Son of Man be three days and three nights in the heart of the earth. All right, so say that with me. In the heart of the earth. All right, the heart of the earth is the center, okay? So according to this scripture, according to this prophecy, uh, he was going to be in the heart of the earth, in the center of the earth. If that makes sense, say amen. Doesn't get any clearer than that. Doesn't get any plainer than that. That's, that's, that's where we're at here, okay? In the heart of the earth. Acts 2. Acts 2 verse 23. Uh, Peter is preaching. He's explaining uh, Old Testament scriptures to the, the, to the Jewish people here on the day of Pentecost. And he's explaining that Jesus is who he said he was. Now, now, now follow me as I read through Acts chapter 2 verse 23. Him, meaning Jesus, him being delivered by the determinate counsel and foreknowledge of God, ye have taken, he's speaking to the Jews, Ye have taken, and by wicked hands have crucified and slain, whom God hath raised up, having loosed the pains of death, because it was not possible that he should be holden of it. For David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face. Now what he's doing, he is quoting Psalms. He's quoting David in his writings in Psalms. What David was prophesying concerning the Christ, all right, the Messiah. He said, David speaketh concerning him, I foresaw the Lord always before my face, for he is on my right hand that I should not be moved. Now, David is writing, but this is the Messiah speaking in first person, okay? So this is, this is basically Jesus talking, David's writing, prophesying about what's going on with Jesus. If that makes sense, say amen. Everybody good with that? All right, now watch. Therefore did my heart rejoice, and my tongue was glad. Moreover, also my flesh shall rest in hope, because thou, God... Will not leave my soul, Jesus, in hell, neither wilt thou suffer thine holy one to see corruption. Thou hast made now now how do we know that he's not talking about David? He goes on to explain. He knew that would be a fact, so so Peter goes on to explain. 
Thou hast made known to me the ways of life. Thou shalt make me full of joy with thy countenance. Men and brethren, let me free, freely speak unto you of the patriarch David, that he is both dead and buried, dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. We still have his grave. Matter of fact, uh, when we were in Israel, they took us to a place where they believed this is David's grave. They, they have a flag draped over it, and, 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 and it, it's, it's an amazing thing. But what he's saying, we still have him. He's still in the ground. His bones are still there. Are you with me? Say amen. He said, but watch this. Watch this. David is both dead and buried, and his sepulcher is with us unto this day. Therefore, being a prophet, he's speaking of David. David was being a prophet when he said what he said. And knowing that God had sworn with an oath to him that the fruit of his loins, according to the flesh, he would raise up Christ to sit on his throne. David knew through prophecy that, that there was going to be somebody in his line, in his lineage, that would sit on the throne. It would be the Messiah. It would be the forever king. That makes sense. Amen? Amen. Now watch. Now watch. He seeing this before spake of the resurrection of Christ, that his soul was not left in hell, neither his flesh did see corruption. This Jesus hath God raised up, whereof we are all witnesses. In other words, he's saying David was not speaking of himself because he's still in the ground, he's still in the grave. He was referencing the Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus is that king, Jesus is that Messiah, and he was proclaiming that he was glad that God the Father would not leave his soul in hell. Now the word hell here is show. S-H-E-N. I'm going to go into more detail about that, but I'm just telling you. S-H-E-O-U-L, I believe is the spelling of that. That's the Hebrew spelling. In, in the Greek, in the New Testament, it is, uh, uh, it is Hades, okay? Hades, it's the same place. Show, Old Testament, Hebrew. Hades, New Testament, Greek, okay? All right, y'all still with me? Stay with me, stay with me. We're going to go a long place. Don't get up and go get no popcorn. Say amen. <clears throat> stay with me. Okay, now, so, heart of the earth, heart of the earth, Peter is saying that, that, that Jesus is, is glad, he is happy, that, 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 that he is not going to be, in, or his, his soul is not going to stay in the heart of the earth, in Sheol, in Hades, okay? Now, neither did it, this is just a commercial. This is just throw it in, you can chew on the fat, whatever. Uh, neither will his body see corruption. Now, uh, what did, how, long, how long was Lazarus in the grave? Right? Right? And he said, by now, by now he, he's corrupted. But Jesus was there. Not long enough to see corruption. Amen? He wasn't going to need that grave very long because he's coming up out of there. Amen? Now here's the thing. Let me go to another verse. Let me go to another verse. So, heart of the earth, he will not leave my soul in hell. Hades, show. Uh, Ephesians 4, 8. Ephesians 4, 8. Wherefore he saith, when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now, he, now that he ascended, what is it but that he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He that descended is the same also that ascended up afar above the heavens that he might fill all things. So we know heart of the earth, uh, he will not leave my soul in hell. Uh, he descended uh, first into the lower parts of the earth. In Luke 23, 42, 
In Luke 43, uh, 42, it says, And Jesus said unto him, Now here's where we're going to here's where we're going to shift gears, okay? Here's where we're going to shift gears. So far we've talked about Shoal and Hades and the center of the earth and the heart of the earth and, and down to the lowest parts and 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 and, and now we're going to call it something else. We're going to call it something else. This is coming out of Jesus' own mouth. Luke 4, 23, 42. And Jesus said unto him, Verily I say unto thee, Today. When? Today. Today. Thou shalt be with me in paradise. So, we know, we know, according to scripture, that he was going to go to the heart of the earth. He was going to go to the lowest parts of the earth. Uh, uh, David had said through prophetic uh, utterance, and Peter responding to that and preaching using the Old Testament scriptures, that it would be a place called hell, Sheol, Hades. But now Jesus calls it paradise. Huh. Paradise. All right, so we know we know where he was. All right, if anywhere, anywhere you find the word hell or Hades in Scripture, it's down to, cast down to, anywhere. Anywhere you stand on this planet and you point down, where are you pointing? Or? Or? The center of the earth. Come on, people. We're talking about geographic. Amen? Geography here. Pointing down. Center of the earth. Center of the earth. Okay. So let's talk about that. Let's talk about that. Because here's the problem. Here's the problem. Most of us, as we're growing up, when we hear the word hell, when we hear the word hell, where it's translated in, in our Bibles, we automatically think the bad place, right? We automatically think of fire, you know, hellfire, brimstone, lake of fire, you know. We automatically think bad place. This is where all the bad people go. This is where the devil came from, went to, going. And that automatically our minds go to that. But that's not accurate. That's partly accurate, but not completely accurate. And so let's talk about this place. That's question number two. Now, so I don't think there's any question. I don't think there's any question by the verses we've covered where he went. Correct? We together on that? All right. Now, let's talk about that place. Number two, what was that? What was that? All right. What was Shoal? What was Hades? What was, what was this place, paradise, that, that we are referring to? All right. The clearest description... <clears throat> given to us in all of scripture is in the book of Luke. All right. How many of y'all remember when Luke describes and talks about the rich man and Lazarus? I mean, raise your hand. If you're not familiar with it, raise your hand. That's cool. That's cool. Cause I'm going to go, I'm going to describe it anyway. Amen. The rich man and Lazarus, he goes to describe it. All right, let's look. Luke 16, 19. <clears throat> there was a certain rich man, which was clothed in purple and fine linen. And he fared sumptuously every day. And there was a certain beggar named Lazarus, which was laid at his gate full of sores, and desiring to be fed with the crumbs which fell from the rich man's table. Moreover, the dogs came and licked his sores. And it came to pass when the beggar died and was carried by the angels into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. Now here, here's, a, here's a key thing. The saved man was carried. The lost man was buried. 
Anyway, just underline that. Let's just keep that in mind. I don't have time because I got three pages, but this, that's good, man. That's good. He was carried into Abraham's bosom. The rich man also died and was buried. And in hell. And in hell he lift up his eyes, being in torments. And seeth Abraham afar off, and Lazarus in his bosom. And he cried and said, Father Abraham, have mercy on me. Send Lazarus, they may dip the tip of his finger in water and cool my tongue, for I am tormented in this flame. But Abraham said, Son, remember that thou in thy lifetime receivest thy good things, and likewise Lazarus evil things. But now he is comforted, and thou art tormented. And beside all this, between us, you, uh, between us and you there is a great gulf fixed, so that they which would pass from hence to you cannot, neither can they pass to us that would come from thence. Okay? So let's let's do this. Let's just say, let's just say, for the sake of whatever, this all of this, all of this is shoal. We'll use the Old Testament show, S-H-E-O-U-L. Show. All right. And it's it's translated grave. It's used in the Old Testament, translated grave, pit, and hell. Okay? Uh, uh, in, in, in Hades is translated uh, uh, pit, and I think hell also in the, in the New Testament. So this is all that place. When you see that, when, when David was saying, you won't leave my soul in hell, this is what he's talking about. All right, show, but there's two different departments. There's two different places in this one place. It's all called hell, but one is paradise, where there is comfort, and the other is basically what we would call hell, where there's torment. One, there is flames. One, there is the wicked. One, there is uh, 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 weeping and wailing and gnashing of teeth, where he said, where the, 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 my, my tongue is tormented in this flame. Send Lazarus and may dip the tip of his, uh, his finger in water and cool my parching tongue. Y'all with me? <clears throat> That's over here. Well, over here... We have all the Old Testament saints, that those that have died and, and trusted God. Now they are being comforted, but it's all in the same place. Basically, it's like this. It's a temporary holding place. All right? Hell itself, the, the comforting place and the tormenting place, both are temporary. They're both temporary. One was used till Jesus died, and I'll get into that in here in a little while. The other is going to be used to hold the souls of all the lost till the great white throne judgment that we find in the end of Revelation. And after that, all of those will be taken out of hell, will be judged at the great white throne judgment and thrown into the lake of fire. Okay? The lake of fire is the final destination of the lost, the demons, and the devils. Amen. So, so are we together here? Okay? It's translated... Translated grave, translated pit, and translated hell. But it's all show, okay? But one part, one part is where the lost, they're being tormented. One part is called, the Greek, or excuse me, the Hebrews use the word, uh, it's a Jewish term, Abraham's bosom. So that's what we'll call paradise, okay? You can call it paradise, or you can call it, you can call it Abraham's bosom, where they are being comforted while they're waiting for the coming Messiah. Does that make sense? Okay, does that make sense? All right, now, here's, here, let's look at some verses. Let's look at some verses. Let's describe this. 
Turn with me, turn with me to 1 Samuel 28. 1 Samuel 28. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to 1 Samuel 28. Samuel has died. <clears throat> Let's see. All right. Saul is, is in a bad way. <clears throat> the, the Lord, the, the Spirit of the Lord has, has not touched him. Is not on him. The spirit is now on David, but Saul is still king, and he's needing some help. He's needing some reassurance. Uh, he's fixing to have to fight a battle, and and he goes secretly. He disguises himself because if you were a witch or a warlock or somebody that that predicted the future, red signs, uh, you would be killed. You know, I mean that that was a death penalty for the Jewish people. Well, he kind of he disguised himself and he asked for somebody to bring a witch to him because he was going to summons, he was going to summon Samuel, okay? Now, this is where we're at. First <clears throat> Samuel chapter 28 and verse number, uh, let's see here. Let's just start with verse 1. And it came to pass in those days that the Philistines gathered their armies together for warfare to fight with Israel. And Achish said unto David, Know thou assuredly that thou shalt go out with me to battle, thou and thy men. And David said to Achish, Surely thou shalt know that thy servant can do. And Achish said to David, Therefore will I make thee keeper of mine head forever. Now Samuel was what? Samuel was dead. Samuel was dead. All right. Uh, let me see. Let me make sure I'm in the, my right verse here. Oh, yes, yes, yes. Okay. Now, Samuel was dead, and all Israel had lamented him and buried him in Ramah, even in his own city. And Saul had put away those that had familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. And the Philistines gathered themselves together and came and pitched in Shunem, and Saul gathered all Israel together. And, they, and by the way, Samuel was the man of God that Saul would always go, go to for advice. Okay? He's no longer there, so he's got to get some help. He's got to get some advice. And when Saul saw the host of the Philistines, he was, he was afraid, and his heart greatly trembled. And when Saul inquired of the Lord, the Lord answered him not, neither by dreams or by Urim nor by the prophets. Then said Saul unto his servant, Seek me a woman that hath a familiar spirit, that I may go to her and inquire of her. And his servant said to him, Behold, there is a woman that hath a familiar spirit at Endor. This is, this is known as the witch of Endor. And Saul disguised himself and put on other raiment, and he went and two men with him, and they came to the woman by night and said, I pray thee, divine unto me by the familiar spirit, and bring me him up whom I shall name unto thee. And the woman said unto him, Behold, thou knowest what Saul hath done, how he hath cut off those that have familiar spirits and the wizards out of the land. Wherefore then layest thou a snare for my life to call? He said, You, you, you know what you're doing, you're going to get me killed. And Saul aware, or excuse me, swear to her by the Lord, saying, As the Lord liveth, there shall no punishment happen to thee for this thing. Then said the woman, Whom shall I bring up unto thee? And he said, Bring me up Samuel. And when the woman saw Samuel, she cried with a loud voice, and the woman spake to Saul, saying, Why hast thou deceived me? For thou art Saul. And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, for what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw gods ascending out of the earth. 
out of the earth, out of the earth. And he said unto her, what form is he of? And she said, an old man cometh up, and he is covered with a mantle. And Saul perceived that it was Samuel, and he stooped with his face to the ground and bowed himself. And Samuel said to Saul, why hast thou disquieted me to bring me up? And Saul answered, I am sore distressed, for the Philistines make war against me, and God is departed from me, and answereth me no more, neither by prophets nor by dreams. Therefore I have called thee, that thou mayest make known unto me what I shall do. Then said Samuel, now watch this. Then said Samuel, Wherefore then doest thou ask of me, seeing the Lord is departed from thee, and has become thine enemy? And the Lord hath done to him as he spake by me, for the Lord hath rent the kingdom out of thine hand and given it to thy neighbor, even to David, because thou obeyest not the voice of the Lord, nor executest his fierce wrath upon the Amalekite. Therefore hath the Lord done this thing unto thee this day. Moreover, the Lord will also deliver Israel with thee into the hand of the Philistines. Watch this, watch this, y'all paying attention. And tomorrow shalt thou and thy sons, what? Hmm. Mm. And the Lord also shall deliver the host of Israel into the hand of the Philistines. And guess what? It happened. He was killed the next day and his sons. Now, what, what verse do we want to take from that? It says, verse 13, And the king said unto her, Be not afraid, from one, what sawest thou? And the woman said unto Saul, I saw God's ascending out of the... And that, by the way, that's little g, little g, out of the earth. So what did she do? She summoned Samuel up from Shoal, up from the temporary holding place of all human beings after they've died before Christ. Okay? If that makes sense, say amen. Okay? Now I want to go to another, I want to go to another place. Number 16. Number 16. In verse 30 it says this, but if the Lord make a new thing, this is Moses speaking with Korah and all the crowd that tried to rebel against Moses. You remember when they were in the wilderness and, 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 and these leaders, Korah and his leaders said, hey, you're taking too much on yourself. We're, we're, lead, we're good people just like you. God speaks to us just like you and uh, uh, we, we don't think we need to follow. In other words, rebelling against God's man. This is what, this is what happened. Moses said, but if the Lord make a new thing, and the earth open her mouth and swallow them up with all that appertain unto them. And they go down quick into the what? That's the same. Show. Same word. It's translated pit here. Then ye shall understand that these men have provoked the Lord. And it came to pass as he made an end of speaking all these words that the ground clave asunder. The, the ground opened up. And the earth opened her mouth and swallowed them up in their houses and all the men that appertained unto Korah and all their goods. They and all that pertained to them went down alive into the... And the earth closed upon them and they perished from among the congregation. So where did they go? Down. That's right. The earth opened up and they went, went down alive into the pit. So... They went to hell, this side of Sheol, this side of the temporary holding place, all right? Now, let's continue. Let's describe this place. Let's describe this place. <clears throat> we, know, we know this place, this Sheol, this Sheol, this temporary holding place for those who have died uh, is for the saved and the lost, the wicked 
and the righteous. The righteous are over here in Abraham's bosom. They're in paradise. They're being comforted. Uh, they are being here. And then, then the wicked will go down into hell. They are in a place of fire and a place of torment and, 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 and a place of destruction here, okay? Now, we know it's under the earth. There's no question. We've read so many verses. Number 16 clearly says they went down. The earth opened up. They went down to this place. All right, Isaiah, <clears throat> Isaiah 38.10 says it's a city. It's like a city with gates. And Job 17.16 says it has bars. In other words, like, like jail bars, okay? It's also a land of darkness. And for, let's just turn there. Let's turn, we got time. We got time. Uh, Isaiah, Isaiah 38, I'll turn there, Isaiah 38, 10, all right, it says this, and I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave, that word grave is shoal, remember it's translated what, grave, pit, or hell, right, all right, I said in the cutting off of my days, I shall go to the gates of the grave, I am deprived of the residue of my years, Job 17, Job 17 uh, says it has bars. It's a land of darkness and forgetfulness. Psalms 88, 11 and 12. It's a place where no work or wisdom exists. Ecclesiastes 9 and 10. It is a place where no one, no one praises God. Listen at this. And you wonder why it's going to be hell. There's not going to be any mention of God. All right. Psalm 6. Psalm 6 in verse number five, for in death there is no remembrance of thee. He's talking in reference to God. In death there is no remembrance of thee. In the grave, who shall give thee thanks? Isaiah, Isaiah uh, 38, verse 18. Isaiah 38, 18. For the grave cannot praise thee. Death cannot celebrate thee. They that go down into the pit cannot hope for thy truth. What is going to be, what's going to make it hell? What's going to make it hell? No presence of God. No worship. No singing. No praise. No declared truth. No hope. Are y'all with me? All of this in this place. This place show, this holding place. This place called hell. That Jesus went to. <clears throat> All right. Now, now, while this is kind of mysterious, some of y'all are learning stuff you probably never heard before. But understand this: all the dead, all of the dead souls go down into one of these two places. One of these two places. Shoal is divided in these two distinct sides: the righteous, Abraham's bosom, hell, the pit. For the wicked, okay? Now, is that clear with everybody? Does everybody understand that part? You got to understand that. To, the, really, the message is in the last point. But you got to understand this so the, the last point will make sense, okay? So from the beginning of time, from the beginning when, when people started uh, 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 calling upon God, when people started uh, turning and rebelling against God, they started going to these places, when they took their last breath on this earth, all the, all the people that were righteous, all the people that believed in God, they came to paradise. They came to Abraham's bosom to wait for the coming of the Messiah. You say, why do they have to wait for the coming of the Messiah? Because you've got to understand that the sacrifices that God provided for them, 
It was only pointing. They were only shadows. How many of y'all remember the shadow illustration last week? They were only shadows of the thing, the real deal to come. And all of the sacrifices in the Old Testament, all of the lambs, all of those uh, uh, ceremonies, all of those provisions, all of those feasts and festivals, all they could do was cover sin. They could only atone for their sin for how long? One year. One year. And then they had to make another sacrifice. Because it is not possible. This is Hebrews, I think Hebrews chapter 9 or Hebrews chapter 10. It is not possible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sin. It could only cover sin. Why? A bull or a goat did not sin and commit and bring the curse. A man did. So a man would have to die. A man would have to be sacrificed to pay the penalty for the sin of man. If that makes sense, say amen. And it had not happened yet. Why? Because it uh, there has been nobody without blemish. Nobody without blemish. Every man was a sinner. Every man came from Adam, the seed of man. And I don't want to confuse nobody, but I hope you understand this. Jesus did not come from the seed of man. He came from the seed of woman. Sin is passed down through the seed of man, not the seed of woman. Are y'all with me? So every single man that's ever been born, they're sinners. They were born sinners. David said, in sin did my mother conceive me. I didn't didn't do something to become a sinner. I was a sinner when I arrived. Are y'all with me? So there was no sacrifice. But one day, John was baptizing, and he, he, people were repenting, and they were getting right. And one day, he saw Jesus coming down the riverbank, and he said, Behold, the Lamb of God, which what? Takes away the sin of the world. And you see, the Old Testament saints, they couldn't make it in, because sin is not going to inhabit the kingdom. Sin ain't going to make it through the gates of heaven. Their sin had to be taken away. So they had to wait. And all God's people said, Now the fun part. Now we know where he went. We know the location. Now we know a little more about it that it's it's two parts. You know, the part where the comforting goes on, a part where the tormenting goes on. One's called paradise or Abraham's bosom. The other is the pit or hell, or the grave. And we know this is just temporary. I'm just reviewing, right? We know this is just temporary. All this is just temporary. Okay? Now, now, what did Jesus do when he got down there? We know where he went. We know the details about it, what the place was. Now I'll answer this question. Let's answer this question. <clears throat> Why was he there? Why was he there? How many of y'all want to know why he was there? Oh, that's pretty weak. I'm going to tell you that right now. How many of y'all want to know why he's there? Okay, all right. Help me, help me. Okay, in order to know and understand fully why he did what he did when he got there, you got to understand and remember what he just got through accomplishing. Okay? What did he just get through with? What was it? All right, more specifically. What did they just take him off of? The cross. Okay, he just got through with the cross. Now, what did the cross 
accomplish. Now we know, yes, yes, salvation. We know his blood paid for our sins, right? He was the ultimate sacrifice. He who knew no sin became sin that we might be made righteousness in him, right? He took our sins. He paid for our sins. He was the pardon. He was the propitiation for our sins. He was the sacrifice. He was our Passover, amen? But there's more. And this is the best part. Thank God we're forgiven. Thank God we're redeemed. Thank God we don't have to pay that price. Thank God all our condemnation came on him on the cross. That why, that's why we can stand and say, therefore, there is now no condemnation. Are y'all with me? But he did something else. He did something else. He was our propitiation. He was our sacrifice. But now, here's the thing. We're going to have to go back to Genesis. We're going to have to go back to Genesis to get the gist of this, okay? All the way back to Genesis. All the way back to Genesis. Satan calls man to fall, right? Satan calls the fall of man. They sinned in the garden. They disobeyed God. They rebelled against God. And Satan's just having himself a time. But guess what? God looks at Satan, says, all right, buddy, man is going to destroy you. He proclaimed a prophecy. Said, the seed, your seed... In other words, the devil's crowd, you're going to bruise his heel, which is basically a flesh wound. But he, in Alabama terms, he's going to bust your head. It's going to be a head wound. A head wound in that day was always, it was, it was mortal. It was over with. Are y'all with me? In other words, in the garden, in that moment, God promised the devil that there would come a man. There would come one of the seed of woman. Remember? Didn't say man. Seed of woman. There would come a a man, the seed of a woman, who would destroy you. That started a fight. I mean, there's been, ever since the devil was cast out of heaven, ever since the fallen angels, a third of the angels came out of heaven with him, there's been a cosmic fight going on. Do you know there's a realm that we can't even see that's real? A demonic realm where there is angels fighting over us and angels that are there declaring, you can look at in Daniel, there's so many chapters in the Bible that clearly teach this. There was an angel, a messenger angel, Gabriel sent from God to Daniel. It took a while to get to Daniel because Michael had to come and help him. There is a real realm of demons, a real realm, a satanic realm. And from that point on, the devil has tried to stop the seed. Because if he can't stop the seed, he's done for. And it started right away. We have Cain... And Abel, Cain and Abel, and he influences and causes jealousy in the heart of Cain. Cain rises up and kills Abel. The devil's having himself a time because now there's no seed because one is dead and the other is a murderer. But God brought Seth. God always has his seed. Are y'all with me? Then... Something else happened. According to, according to, I'm getting ahead of myself. 
Hold that thought. <clears throat> Hold that thought. <clears throat> oh, I'm gonna get to it. I'm gonna get to it. <clears throat> but it's like the. All right. Hebrews two fourteen. Hebrews two fourteen. You remember what we said when we said, what did he accomplish on the cross? We hollered out salvation, our, 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 the blood washed away our sins, our, our, our penalty was paid, and he's our propitiation. But watch this, watch this. Hebrews 2.14. <clears throat> For as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he also himself, Jesus, he also himself likewise took part of the same, that through death, that's the cross, that, excuse me, through death he might destroy him that had the power of death. That is the devil. devil. Say amen. Now, now the word destroy. Now the word destroy here. When we think of the word destroy, we think of the word annihilate. You know what I'm saying? When, 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 when you see that, that pizza and you destroy it, it's gone. Amen. That's not what he's talking about. The word means rendered powerless. In other words, you have, you have the toy and the battery's taken out. That's what Jesus did to Satan. There was a day when Satan could make you do stuff. There was a day when Satan had unlimited power over you. There was a day that Satan had his way and we were the children of the devil. But when Jesus died on the cross, he took the batteries out and he no longer, he no longer can force us to do anything. Is he still there? Is he still powerful? Yes. Is he still influencing? Yes. But we can say no. We can rebuke the devil. We can resist the devil. Are y'all with me? Why can I stand and say, devil, get out of my face? Why can I stand with courage and boldness and stand against the wiles of the devil? Because there was a day on the cross of Calvary that Jesus in victory and conquering, he rendered the devil powerless. Amen. Say amen. Watch this. That's not all. That's not all. All right, that's Hebrews 2.14. Now in 2 Timothy 1.10. 2 Timothy 1.10. But is now made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now, the word, the word uh, abolished is the same exact word destroyed. Same exact word. It's, 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 it's translated abolished in one and destroyed in the other, but it's the same thing. What does that mean? He has rendered death powerless over you. Well, why are people still dying? That's just, you know, that's, that, that's just temporary. That's just temporary. There was a day when it was permanent. There was a day when that wouldn't change. That would be a permanent state. But because of Jesus, he's rendered powerless death. Now, how many of y'all know Satan's got help? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, right? But against principalities, against powers, rulers of the darkness of this world. That's that realm I was telling you about. They're real. 
Voodoo's real. I know some of y'all, y'all still hung up on Samuel getting caught up out of the depths. I didn't think witches could do that. Yeah, it's real. I just read it. I read my Bible. You're going to believe Jesus loves me. This I know for my Bible tells me so. The witch at indoors real. And Samuel really did come out of the realm of show. This stuff's real. Are y'all with me? But we win. Now, knowing that, knowing what he accomplished on the cross, knowing that he is the King of kings and the Lord of lords, knowing that we are more than conquerors through him. You see, the devil tried to make Calvary and the cross be his death, to be his defeat. Even to the point the Bible says that if the princes of this world would have known, they'd have never crucified him. Down through the ages... Satan has tried to stop the seed because if the seed can make it, he's, he's done for. Down through the ages. Listen, y'all remember Esther. Esther, there was a decree to kill all the Jews. There was a decree to kill all the Jews, wipe all the Jewish people out. Right? And God brought them through. Why did, why did Herod kill all those babies? Satan influenced Herod trying to stop the seed. Why did he come in the wilderness while Jesus was fasting in the wilderness? Trying to get him to disobey his father. Trying to get him to act outside of the father's will. Trying to stop the seed. Now, here's what took place. I'm coming back to that, so just hang on to that. Here's what took place when Jesus got down there. All right? Colossians chapter 2, verse 14. He overpowered. He defeated the devil. He defeated death. He defeated the grave. He defeated Listen, the principalities and the powers, right? Now watch what he did. Colossians 2.14. Blotting out the handwriting of ordinances that was against us, which was contrary to us, he took it out of the way, nailing it to the cross. Watch this now. And having, come on everybody, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly. What's that? Triumphing over them. Who's the principalities in the power? Satan and all his buddies. All the demonic forces that has been coming against the seed from the beginning of time. All of those forces who thought they had him on Calvary, who were celebrating in the garden, who were celebrating in the praetorium, who were celebrating going up the Via Della Rosa, who were celebrating all around Calvary saying, we finally got him, we finally got him, we finally got him. He's dead, he's dead, he's dead until he showed up very much alive in the realm of the dead. 
Jesus says, you're done, you're done, you're done, you're done. And he won. Calvary was not a defeat, it was a win. At Calvary, he won. And if they really understood it, the Bible says they would have never crucified him. So what did he do? Why did he go down there? He had a parade. That's the best way I know how to describe it. Let me read it again. Y'all call it what you want to call it. <clears throat> Look what it says. He spoiled them first. Now, you know what it means to spoil. When, when, when an army would come in and defeat a nation or defeat a place, they would spoil them. They'd take all their goodies. They'd take all their wealth. They'd take all their power. Are y'all with me? That's exactly what it says Jesus did. He spoiled all the principalities. He spoiled all of the powers and then made an open show of it. This is the imagery. This is the imagery that we have. Roman soldiers, Roman generals, when they would have a victory and they would conquer and, and overcome, then they would come back, they would come back to the city, sometimes even the city they conquered, and they would make an open show of all of their captives all of the spoils of that's exactly what Jesus was doing in their own house in their own realm are y'all with me he's parading there's something else he does he's showing openly I'm all powerful you are defeated I have won. I have won. Now watch, it gets better. And this is, if, you, if that witch indoors got you shook up, hold on to your seat. <clears throat> First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. First Peter chapter 3, verse 18. He's made a show openly of his victory. He's made a show openly. He's declaring... To all of Shoal, to the damned, and to the delivered, the king is here. But watch. 1 Peter 3.18. There's something else he did. For Christ also hath once suffered for sins, the just for the unjust, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but quickened by the Spirit. In other words, his flesh was in the grave. His flesh was in the tomb where Joseph of Arimathea was taking care of him, but he was alive in the Spirit. What was he doing? Verse 19. Verse 19. But which also, by which, excuse me, by which also he went and preached under the spirits in prison. Now the word preach here is not as I'm delivering the gospel or preaching the gospel. It's the word that means proclaim. Say that with me. It means proclaim. When you see the word spirits here, it's not the word that he uses for a person. It's used for angels. So he is not in reference here to people. He is speaking and proclaiming to angels, more specifically fallen angels. Which fallen angels? Because there is a specific group that he's speaking to here. Those in prison. A specific place. 
Most of you know, most of you know there's a de de demonic realm. When the angels were cast out of heaven, right? They, 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 they can fill people. They can get in people. Jesus cast them out. How many of y'all remember the legion? So what is your name? My name is Legion, for we are many. And he casts into the swine, right? Y'all with me? So this is real. This is real. I know it's shaking some of y'all up, but this is real. Demons are real. But there is a group of demons that are chained right now in this prison. They're not loose. They're not part of the principalities and powers. That means, that means there's a hierarchy in the, in the demonic army. There's captains and generals and, and all of this kind. There's people assigned to different things. They're not in them. They are chained in darkness, in the abyss, in the pit. Why are they there? And why is Jesus speaking to them? Watch. He says who they are. It says these spirits, these fallen creatures in the prison which sometime were disobedient when once the long-suffering of God waited in the days of Noah while the ark was preparing, wherein a few, that is, eight souls were saved by water. So we know these particular angels, these particular fallen spirits were during the time of Noah and the ark. All right, 2 Peter 2, 4 begins to describe them. For if God spared not the angels that sinned, but cast them down to hell... There's that word, there's that word, but this word is different. This is not the word Hades. This is the word tar, Tartarus, Tartarus, okay? It means the very bottom of the abyss. In other words, in the realm of the dead, in Hades, the abyss of Hades, there is a section there is a department, if you will. Best way I can describe it, it would be like hell's solitary confinement. These angels are particularly wicked and defiled to the point that God will not even let them loose. They are chained in darkness. And that's who he goes and speaks to. Let's, let's keep reading. It says he cast them down to hell, to Taurus, the, the, the abyss of Hades, the very lowest part, and delivered them into chains of darkness to be reserved unto judgment. This place is in reference to Revelation chapter 9. How many of y'all know the Bible says that the key of the bottomless pit was open? That's Revelation 9. All right. Luke 8.30. <clears throat> oh, no, excuse me. Jude 5.7. <clears throat> Jude 5.7. And the angels which kept not their first estate, but left their own habitation, he hath reserved in everlasting chains under darkness under the judgment of that great day. What does that mean? It means that the demons have their realm and we have our realm. Y'all with me? We have our habitation, we have our realm, we can't go into theirs. And they can't come into ours. They're not supposed to. Are y'all with me? But this particular group of angels left their habitation. Left their realm and came into our realm. What, what, what was the deal? What was the deal? <clears throat> in Genesis, this is referred to in Genesis 6. 
The Bible says in the days of Noah. So we go all the way back to Genesis 6. And let's see who these angels were and what did they do. Let me, let me tell you something. This abyss is so bad. This abyss is so bad and so scary to the demonic realm that when legion was cast out, that they said they begged Jesus. They knew who Jesus was. And they begged Jesus, please don't send us to the abyss. Please don't send us to the pit. Don't send us to where you sent the other ones. I mean, this place is the... It's not just hell. They begged Jesus. And he, he suffered and He allowed them to go in the swine. This is how bad this place is. Now why does he have these particular angels there? Genesis 6. And it came to pass when men began to multiply on the face of the earth and daughters were born unto them that the sons of God saw the daughters of men. The sons of God are angels. They saw the daughters of men that they were fair. And they took them wives of all which they choose. What did they do? They left their realm. They left their habitations and came and mixed with human beings and the Lord said my spirit shall not always strive with man for he is also he also is flesh yet his days shall be 120 years there were giants this is the word Nephilim in other words when when the angels mixed with human women it created giants it created a hybrid person and also after that, when the sons of God came into the daughters of men, they bare children to them. They became mighty men, which were of old men of renown. And God saw the wickedness of man that was great in the earth, and that every imagination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually. What has happened? He's trying to stop the So Satan influenced fallen angels to corrupt the human line. And it was so bad. It was so bad that God had to destroy every living human being besides Noah's family. It was Satan's attempt to stop the seed. So what is Jesus doing? Jesus goes. God chained them after that. God put them in this abyss after that. God kept them in darkness after that. They thought they had accomplished the goal. But Jesus shows up. <laughs> And proclaims in that prison, you have failed and I have won. He's proclaiming victory. Say it with me. He's proclaiming victory. victory. I'm out of time, but I got to give you this last one. That's not all he did. You see over here in paradise... There's a group of people that's been waiting year after year after year after year for their Messiah and their Deliverer. Ephesians chapter 4 
teaches us. These, these Old Testament saints would, would say out in Psalms 49, 11, But God will redeem my soul from the power of the grave. He shall receive me. Psalms 86, 13, For great is thy mercy toward me. Thou hast delivered my soul from the lowest hell. What were these Old Testament saints and the psalmist saying? Don't leave me here. Don't leave me here. Ephesians 4, 8 says this. Wherefore he saith when he ascended up on high, he led captivity captive. Say it with me. He led captivity captive and gave gifts unto men. Now he that, now that he ascended, what is it that but he also descended first into the lower parts of the earth. He that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all the heavens that he might fill all things. <laughs> Here's the image. You remember that conquering king? That conquering general coming in, making an open show of the spoils. The image here is Jesus took, they would also, these, these generals would also, when they would go in and rescue people who had been captive, their own people, their own soldiers, kind of like when Abraham went and rescued Lot, you remember? And all the people kept captive. They would come in and parade them too and say, look who we've delivered. Look who we brought home. What he is saying in this verse, that listen, Jesus came and he went to Sheol and he gathered up all those that had been waiting, all those who were captive, who could not make it into glory. And he paid their way. He took away their sin. He led captivity captive. He brought them home and said, look who I'm bringing home. And the Bible says, and he gave gifts unto men. Listen, the winning general would always take those spoils of war and begin to share the spoils of war. The gifts that you have today, the gifts that you have today that you operate in, in Ephesians 4.11, that you use in service to the king, guess what? They're spoils of war. And Jesus has the authority and he has the right to share what he's won. Say amen. So what does that mean? We don't go to a temporary place anymore. Let me give you another one because I know y'all going to get home and y'all going to ask this question. So where is paradise now? According to Paul, according to Paul, paradise is in the third heaven. It's moved from Shoal. Now that all of Shoal is for the damned. But paradise in 2 Corinthians 12, 4, it says that when Paul was called up to paradise, God let him go to the third heaven. He said how that he was called up into paradise. Revelation 2, 7 says this, He that hath an ear, let him hear what the Spirit saith unto the churches. To him that overcometh will I give to eat of the tree of life, which is in the midst of the paradise of God. So when do we go? Do we got to wait? Nope. Philippians 1.21 says this. Paul is saying, I'm in a strait betwixt two. I'm having a, a desire to depart and be with, which is far better. He says this, 2 Corinthians 5.6. 
We are confident, I say, and willing rather to be absent from the body and to be... What does that mean? Because of Calvary and because of the resurrection that we haven't got to yet. One day, you may die, but your soul will be immediately in the presence of Jesus. And your body may go to the grave temporarily till the resurrection of the saints. And then I show thee a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in the moment, in the twinkling of an eye. For this mortal shall put on him. Man, I feel God right there. Amen. Yes, a brand new body, glorified. What are we going to have? What Jesus had. We're going to have what Mary saw outside the tomb. We're going to have what Thomas saw. We're going to have what Peter saw because it says it does not yet appear. I think it's 1 John chapter 2 or chapter 3. It does not yet appear what we shall be. But when we see him, we shall be like him. We win. What was he doing that whole time? Proclaiming victory. He won. And really, to be honest, the way I read it and the way I see it, it was more about him in that demonic realm. What he did on the cross was for us. But what he did in the tomb, he had a score to settle. And it's not completely settled yet. Because one day it's all going to be according to the book of Revelation. And we don't have time, but I'll tell you about that later. All right. I'm thinking about going into Revelation right after John 2, by the way. So y'all pray about that. That might be a good transition there. All right. I got the notes. Like I said, I've got all the verses. If you want that, I can print it off later. But does this make sense why it would be easier just to listen? So, so don't hate me. All right. Let's, let's, let's pray. Lord, thank you so much.